Welcome to the Point of Difference AFL Fantasy Podcast, a fresh perspective on AFL Fantasy Classic brought to you by the Keeper League Pod. On this episode, I'm joined by two current top 100 coaches in Dan Cottam and Nathan Obermuller to chat about their fantastic seasons today, go through some hot topics and the delish dozen. It's time for an AFL Fantasy Factory crossover edition of The Pod. Pod. Welcome to the Pod Pod. I'm Doss here with DC and Nathan from the AFL Fantasy Factory. DC, I'll start with you, mate. Welcome. Thanks, mate. Great to be on. You're a late call up uh, to the show today. Sorry to listeners that Louis is out today, but very happy to have you on board, DC. Where are you sitting in the rankings, mate? You are top 100, but you're right up there this season. I am. I actually slipped back to 29th on the weekend after being 19th the week before, so I'm sure like everyone else... uh, Copped a fair few bullets this week, but um, yeah, still still having a great great year. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about those bullets uh, very shortly. There were many many bullets to have, but um, I reckon you had a few cheeky uh, pods as well. A very good show um, for you to be on because you had a few of those fire. But we've also got Nathan here. Nathan also in the top 100. We're blessed to have two of the great coaches uh, going in 2020 season 2021. Now, mate, you're not quite. Um, at your target of the 69 cap right now, but what are you sitting at at the moment? No, not at the 69 cap, unfortunately, but I, I'm 94th. Uh, and if it wasn't for a couple of bullets, I'd be 68th. <laughs> yeah, I'm that's close. Right. Beautiful. Well, we're glad to have you both on board. Now, lads, how are you um, traveling? I know, Nath, you're you're in the lockdown at the moment in Melbourne, so traveling okay though, mate? Yeah, I mean, it's good. It was a lot easier now that footy is actually on. It was a lot harder last year in lockdown when there was no footy. So, it was a great weekend. Nine straight games back to back. Yeah, at least you're, you're keeping yourself busy with the with the footy that's on. And how about you, DC? You're, you're in Canberra, but you're travelling all right? Yeah, going well. Canberra actually hasn't had a case for about a year. So, but unfortunately, we're getting lumped in with all the folks up in Sydney. Um, so, it makes it pretty hard to travel anywhere at the moment, but um, can't complain too much. Yeah, that's it. Well, we just had news uh, tonight that SA is just doing a little bit of um, pre-lockdown measures. We're not going into lockdown yet. So, um, yeah, just a lot of stuff going around in Australia at the moment. So, we hope everyone, all our listeners are safe and healthy. Obviously, reach out on the socials if, you, um, if you're struggling and we'll try and do whatever we can. Probably just on the fantasy front, we can help you out there. But yeah, hope you're all going okay. We will do a round 18 recap um, in a moment. But I just want to, you guys, are having absolutely ripping years. I just want to hear a bit about them, DC. Maybe just take us through, I don't know, maybe your best moves or something about your team that has got you to where you are right now, sitting 29th overall. I feel like you've set me up for this question, Doss, because I'm going to mention one of your boys, and uh, that's Sean Darcy. So, I was one of the fairly early adopters of getting Sean Darcy, and probably right before he went on a, a bit of a tear. So, when a lot of people went for Rowan Marshall, I went for him instead, and it really shot me up the rankings um, in the weeks following that. Um, I started the year with a lot of those better mid-price guys as well. So, I think starting with a good squad always helps. If you can get off to a flyer, then it's about trying to hold that spot instead of trying to chase tail later in the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Sean Darcy was a ripping pick. I, I was big on him, but unfortunately myself didn't uh, ever pick him up. And I mean, now you're obviously going to have to deal with the injury and we'll touch on all the injuries uh, bullets later. But at least I reckon he's got injured twice. Um, 
this season. But Shawnee Das, he's still in both of his games where he's got injured, he still pumped you out a respectable score. So he's still tunned up for you there. I just want to know also, DC, what are some of those picks that, despite being um, 29th overall, maybe that actually failed you throughout the year and still you managed to be up so high despite maybe copping a bullet or two? There's two picks I've probably had this year that have been out and out terrible. Um, the first one was after that that round two game where Jaden Stevenson, I think, put up a 50 off the back of his 130-odd in round one. And uh, I watched both of those first two games that he played and saw the second one and thought, oh, no, the role's gone. And I jumped mm. straight back off him and brought in Dusty Martin. And oh. Dusty Martin proceeded to pump out 50s and 60s for about the next month and then I think got injured on about a 25, whereas uh, Stevenson put up about 10 weeks worth of 80s. So, um That was a really horrible pick and probably cost me a little bit of momentum early. And then the other one is is still in my team, although hopefully not after this week, and that's Matt Rao, who uh, I brought in in his first game back, expecting that he was probably going to still outperform his price, but he just looks a long way off it at the moment. But Yeah, Rao, that that was a risky pick. by you for, for sure but you have you have gone out on a limb on a few of these pods and they have paid off so I guess you, you giveth and taketh in fantasy unfortunately a few misses I know you've been a big advocate on uh, on Twitter about not bringing in Dusty so I did see a few victory laps this week uh, when you saw a bit of an injury and a few poor scores in a row um, we'll get to actually what before I forget because I always do um, your Twitter handle quickly DC it's DC Caterpillars there you go you know you love it uh, he does the hat chat on Wednesday nights. Uh, you can check that out as well. They go live on Spaces. You often get a uh, special guest in there, uh, Dossie, talking about the worst possible picks you can make for the week. But, uh, Nath, how about you, mate? You've had an awesome year as well, still inside that top 100, aiming for that cap. And uh, what about you? Some some hits, some misses, maybe? Yeah, so the hits were, I think, just finding the right value players at the right time. So, Right at the start of the season, making sure you have those right players. So I think Oleg Markov was obviously one of the, the best picks I could have possibly had. As well as when, uh, when Danger went down round one, I went straight to, I went straight to Callum Mills, who's obviously until last okay. round was my best pick, uh, so far. <laughs> um, there's been a, a few more misses, uh, to be honest. And I'm honestly surprised I'm top 100 when I label these out. I traded out Liam Duggan. Uh, an hour before he played Collingwood and popped out a 148. Yeah, uh, so that was that was a painful week, uh, which was I didn't think it could be topped, but it was topped by by trading in Mitch Duncan at yes. top price 845k, uh, who promptly scored me a 71, and I was a bit upset. And then he scored me an eight, and I was apoplectic. I was furious, and he dropped me 150k, but. I'm still on track for a hat, so I can't be too mad. Yeah, the the Mitch Duncan trade, uh, infamous on the uh, Twitter landscape as well. And um, and where can we find you, Nath? As I said, I always forget to bring it up later in the show, so you might as well do it now. You can find me at, at Obermullet. So it's my last name, but with a T instead of an R. At Obermullet and at DC Caterpillars. All right, lads. Well, let's jump into the round 18 recap. And oh, we might as well just start off with me because- as not being the only uh, under 100 coach here that I am, I only got the 2092. Rubbish as usual. What about you, lads? Uh, let's go with you, DC. I had a 2196, um, which I think is probably around about par, I guess. But 
a bit disappointed with that. As I said earlier, I still dropped a few spots and copped quite a few bullets this week. But Yeah, I reckon we've mentioned basically all the bullets um, in the opening here. Talking about mostly your players that have been awesome for you this year. So, it's kind of a shame, obviously, getting those players to come out right at this time of the year. It's uh, not ideal. But, Nath, how'd you go this round, mate? Yeah, I got a 22-20. Again, it was all right. I still didn't drop too far, but disappointing in the sense of it could have been a lot bigger had Mills played that last game and didn't cop a donut. Yeah, and uh, like I said, we will touch on them in a moment in hot topics. Uh, there's so much to get to there. But um, ranking this week, we've spoke about you two. You're 94 and 29. Old Dossie, uh, 12,412 lads. And, uh, but I'm just having still still having a bit of fun. Um, and let's talk about my nailed it this week, um, which has been my nailed it probably maybe for a couple of weeks here. Braden Fiorini still getting it done for me, guys. Another big ton for the great man. And I'm just enjoying having him as a pick. He's been fantastic. How... Did he and Jeremy Sharp not play more of this year? They both were basically the leading disposal getters against the Dogs, who would be right up there with the Premiership favourites. And that's Stewie Jew missing out on 50-odd touches a week for the first 17-odd rounds of the or 15-odd rounds of the year. What's going on, Nath? Oh, it's, it's insane. Watching those two, especially Sharp, was just painful to watch as a non-owner. But awesome. It was awesome work. And the Suns did look a lot better with them in the team. So, I wasn't hot on Fiorini when he came in because I didn't think he'd last. I reckon he's a, sh- a shoo-in to stay for the rest of the year. I bloody hope but so. But Stuart Dude does, does hate him. So, you know, could happen next week. Uh, yeah, Lockie Weller was out with um, concussion protocol. So, if he does end up returning, I still, you know, I still just don't trust uh, Stewie. He, he might he might swing the axe on poor, poor Godorini. Uh, DC, who was your nailed it for the week? Uh, it's the guy I actually brought in the same week as Matt Rao and um, kind of didn't think it was a good pick either, probably up until about the last three weeks, and that's Taran Thomas. Huge who, pod. Yeah, he's a big pod. There's actually a few people in the top 20 or 30 or so that have got him. Um, wow. Yeah. But not not that many outside of that, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, he pumped out a 126 after a 60-something point first quarter. Um and it was, it was kind of funny. We were talking in one of our group chats about the fact that he just doesn't seem to have a ceiling yet right before that game because he keeps putting up 80s um, and then throughout the 126. So, a few more of those, please. Oh, he's been looking amazing. You got you got mid-80s for him for a couple of weeks and now 126. He's got Carlton this week. Should put up another um, big score there. That's a great pod. Was that um, more of a buy strategy than um, just picking him for the long term? Did you think that was going to be a short-term hold and sort of just get you through the buys? Or was this um, was this just DC genius here um, picking the breakout post-buy? Uh, no, it's definitely not a genius pick. It was a hopeful pick. Um, <laughs> so, I think that was the round where Ned Reeves was a laid out and I initially uh, had him coming in and then a premium. I can't remember who it was. And then when Reeves was out, I brought in Rao and, and Thomas instead. So, went two mid-prices and one's obviously been pretty good and one's been awful. So, that's what you get with mid-prices sometimes. You, they don't always work, but yeah, he's, he's come good in the last three weeks or so. Amazing stuff. Uh, Nath, you are the uh, the man that supports the ruse, but you're not going to be using Tyron because you don't have him in your squad. But who's your nailed it this week? I wish I had Tyron. Uh, but no, my plus three, my, uh, my nailed it is Clayton Oliver. Uh, and that's because all week I was tossing up Clayton Oliver, Taylor Adams or Lockie Neal and couldn't, couldn't decide between the three. I finally landed on Lockie Neal 
And then Sean Darcy went down. And I went, well, I can't bring in Lockie Neal. I need to find someone else. Uh, and then the next day, Sean Darcy was apparently fine. It wasn't too bad. So then I went, well, I can bring in that premium and brought in Clayton Oliver. And 126, very happy with that. and could have been even bigger. Yeah, that was – yeah, he – Played amazing. Both those Carlton, uh, sorry, those Melbourne premiums are absolutely dominating the last few weeks. And well, uh, Clayton's come good this week. You've you've got him at the perfect time. But yeah, Petrarca next to him as well, absolutely killing it. Failed it. Let's get a bit negative here. Um, DC, you you moved down in the rankings, and it might have been off this failed it. Yeah, it actually was off this failed it. So if I went with another captain option, other than Brody Grundy, um, I would have either held rank or moved up a couple of spots. So. Um, yeah, that was really unexpected and just, yeah, I cannot understand how he only put up a 20 point half or whatever it was. So, um, that's a, a strange one. It is. You would have expected, yeah, coming up against the young TDK that he would have put up a monster score. I think a lot of people backed that in as well. And I mean, could, could you put your finger on it, uh, DC? Is there anything that you were noting that just wasn't right with the, the mighty Grund? I actually missed the second half because I was watching the Eagles game, uh, being an Eagles man like yourself, Dossie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he looked fine in the first half, I thought. I actually thought he started pretty well. He was on 50-something at the half, so I thought, oh, this will be a, probably a 120. Um, and then obviously just died completely in the second half. Um, I think Darcy Cameron is taking a little bit more more ruck time, but um, yeah, I don't know. If, uh, if anyone watched the second half of that game and knows exactly what happened, then please let me know because I would like to know. Well, well nice. I was watching it. It yeah. was. It was. I had things. I had nothing else to do, and I wasn't watching the Eagles. Definitely. Uh, so when I had, uh, it was TDK essentially in the second half was just following a lot closer around the ground. So the the ruck hitouts were sort of evenly matched. But in that first half, Grundy was just getting all these uncontested possessions around the ground, and then TDK started following him a lot more closely. And as Carlton got on top, Grundy just stopped. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to explain. It's the second time in three games where he's had a great first quarter and then just gone on to go sub-100. Yeah, well, it seemed like Carlton obviously got on top of uh, of the game as well after that point. So, if you're talking about maybe a cheeky TDK tag on the on the mighty Grundy and uh, and mixed in the fact that Carlton came back, yeah, it's probably probably a mixture for um, bad score for Grundy. Uh, how about you, Nath? What was your favourite this week? It's very rare that I can have a donut on my field and that not be my failed it. But Nick Haynes scored a 43. And honestly, I was lucky to get 43 from him. I thought it was going to be another sub 20. And I know he, he did that last year. Uh, I still brought him in ready to be hurt and he quite rightly hurt me. And thanks to all the injuries, he's staying in my team for another week. So this is a failed it to you, Nick Haynes. You better shape up this week, mate. Yeah, it's an unfortunate one, Hainsey. Uh, I've got a, I've got a failed it that's just as disappointing, I think, from my perspective anyway. Sort of in that dusty camp of you paid up sort of that price that you thought was maybe a bargain. Uh, DC wouldn't have paid up the second time for this guy, but uh, you thought he was in that bargain price. And I'm talking about Dan Houston. He's just not delivered what we kind of expected somewhat as, you know, buying this guy. You thought it was a bargain. I don't think he's barely moved his price or if not, he might have lost some since I bought him um, thinking it was going to be a value pick. 61 points in his last three games. He got me 56 on the weekend. Um, he's had 70, 57 and 56, two 50s in a row. Just just gross scores. Was expecting a bounce back this week and uh, this weekend he's got 
Collingwood, so he'll be sticking around. I won't be doing the Liam Duggan um, versus Collingwood trade out this time, but uh, just just not good score from Dan Houston. You got to lift, mate. Uh, so anyway, we'll move on to hot topics and. Let's talk about all these injuries on the weekend, boys, and how many bullets do we cop? Because it sounded like we copped a few. Now, last week, of course, we had Lockie Whitfield, your Markovs, your Langfords, these guys out. This week, Dusty in the early rounds going out. Sounds like he's out for the season now with, what was it, a kidney injury? So, that that did look nasty. Um then we've got Shawnee Darcy with, I think it was an MCL knee injury, so he's done for a little bit. Josh Kelly looking like that's pretty bad. I haven't checked the news this week. You might be able to um, catch me up to date on that. It looked pretty bad, an ankle injury. All highly owned players. Then a guy you were talking about before, Nath, Mills getting not the injury replacement, but a strange situation with the corona uh, injury, just making two laid outs due to going and attending the rugby. Don't know why you'd go and do that in the first place, Millsy. Um, and then Toby Green as well. So, Guys, just just carnage late in the in the season here. We just had a whole heap of outs, and I'm sure there's lots of coaches. I mean, I was checking the um the number one ranked player at the moment in AFL fantasy, and I reckon he's got three or four of them. So nobody's safe at the moment, DC. No, absolutely not. I mean, a, a lot of these guys are super super relevant players. Like, uh, the, if you looked at the ownership numbers that has been putting out in the top 100 over the past few weeks, they'd all be up there in the top top 50 owned players these guys so um yeah just a horrible week for fantasy it's one of the the toughest weeks i can remember in a long long time yeah at the wrong end of the season just an amazing timing for this to all happen and and what what do we do from here uh dc is there is there an interesting way you can sort of go about this and turn a negative into a positive and get some some creativity going with your trades or at this point in the season particularly if you're in your you guys situation up the top um I mean, is it better to play it safe? Or what's your opinion on that? It's an interesting one. I actually think the people that are probably likely, other than those that have missed missed the bullets completely, the people that are likely to actually benefit out of this are those that have got really good bench cover. So, mm. if you've got guys like Sharp and Bramble um, sitting on your bench already and you can pull them on field for a week or two, if you've got three or four of these guys out, you can probably you can probably deal with them covering some of these guys. If you've if you've got let's say four injuries, you, you can obviously only move on two of them. Um, if you're able to cover them with those sort of guys, you're probably going to get a bit of a leg up over the teams that have maybe got the same amount of injuries but have got a lot of red dots. Yeah, it's a fair call, and and I totally forgot my one of my failed. It's got to be Jeremy Sharp sitting on my bench uh, with the E on him. He's been on my field every other week that he's played and missed out on the one twenty. But huge score from him. Shout out to uh, Sharpie for doing that. Um, Nath, what's your opinion on this as well? Um, is there is there an approach you can take, especially yourself? You're just scraping into that top one hundred. Are you going to go a bit uh, bit interesting here as well and try and make this final push towards the end of the season? Yeah, I've been playing quite aggressively the last few weeks with a couple of sideways trades. So it's meant that I've been stuck with a rookie on field. And yeah, it was, as DC said, that rookie's normally, it was Highmore one week for 110. It was Bramble for a sort of his 99. So you can keep this sort of one rookie on field. And I think it's really important going forward with these sort of potential one week injuries or one week out, as in Mills is out next week as well, is to, Take a look at what your team is going to look like at the end of next week as well. And if you're doing two sideways trades this week, is it going to actually make your team better in two rounds time? So if holding Mills for one more week and fixing up another bullet 
is a better move for you as it probably is for me, I'm going to keep Mills and have him on my bench because in two weeks' time, my team will be stronger. Yeah, it's it's such a fine line, but yeah, it's it's a it's a good strategy, I think, especially being sort of um up that top end. You got to really make the right decisions at this time of year, and I I'd, uh, even though well, I do whatever, envy you, I don't, I don't I envy those will decisions. Whatever decision I make will be wrong, so <laughs> I'm just going to make it and live with it. Look, you can't get worse than a Mitch Duncan eight. So, as, <laughs> as, you know, you I think whatever decision you make is going to be fantastic from here compared to the worst. So, all right, guys, we'll move on to our segments in just a second. But if you enjoy our weekly podcast, then join up to be a member of Pod Pod Plus for an extra weekly podcast recorded on a Wednesday night with five-time top 100 finisher, the Statesman. And I reckon we have two members of Pod Pod Plus on this podcast tonight. Yes, you do. Lovely, lovely chat. I credit, I credit my top hundred exactly to Pop Pop Plus. <laughs> I'd, I'd expect nothing. Am I nothing less, to you, Nathan? <laughs> and DC's content, yeah. Yeah, well, you do. Uh, you get exclusive access to the Pod Squad Facebook group, which has been pretty good as well to throw around those trade ideas and brainstorm with other Pod Pod Plus members. I often put my trades up there. Um, cop a lot of crap, and then maybe tweak them just slightly. Um, speaking of things that I um, had to tweak slightly this week. It was a trade, and it was bringing in Chrissy Burgess. Heads in the Burgess direction, just over his head a little. Might still get it. Burgess got it from Corbett for the perfect start, oh, and he nails it. Burgess, when he's in there rucking, they are undersized as well, but he's got a fantastic vertical. Now, I threw around a few trades uh, during the week. In fact, I think mainly the only person, one of the only people that would have seen them was probably Nath. Uh, chucked a cheeky DM your way, um, which is partially what led to, to this appearance on the pod. And I was telling you, I was going to bring in the mighty Chrissy Bajess in line with my, um, my current playing strategy, which is just enjoy the game. And- I don't know. I think I think you might have actually liked the trade at the time, didn't you? I did. I did like the trade. Unfortunately, Caleb Graham came in. But until that point, I really liked the Chrissy Burgess trade as an absolute cash grab. Now, this this segment's been around just for- This is the second week of the segment. Last week, we had a great segment. It was who Chrissy Burgess scored more than. Last week, we had some fantasy royalty in the likes of uh, Tom Mitchell and, and a few other names that were just outstanding names. Uh, this week, it's not so pretty. Um, Caleb Graham, as you said, coming in to take a bit of his ruck minutes. And um, hopefully, I, I, I did jump off when I saw that. So, I didn't actually trade him in, thankfully. Um, I did not follow the Chrissy Bajess. I didn't honour the Bajess. I, I feel ashamed for doing so. But I did see Caleb Graham coming in, playing those ruck minutes. I heard a bit of a Stewie Jew press conference that said he was going to do such. Um, so, this week, uh, Caleb Graham, uh, sorry, Chrissy Bajess only scored more than... Nick Haynes, who unfortunately we've uh, we've talked Ouch. about for Nath, Jack Billings, who ironically Nath, if you remember the trade, I was bringing was in both of them, Chrissy Bajess <laughs> and Jack Billings was my original trade. So the Dossie curse lives. Um, David Mundy, Aaron Norton, and Dev Smith. So Chrissy Bajess uh, back to solo ruck would be ideal, and they probably would have won the game, Stewie Jew, if you didn't uh, swing that trade uh, yourself and bring in Caleb Graham. All right, um, we shall now. Get into the Delish Dozen, which we've been doing for a few weeks here. And this is going through 12 players that you've requested off the social medias that you want to be t- that you want to talk about. And I've actually got a lot of different names this week. So, um, 
very thankful for all the people that commented on the Twitter post that we did to get all these names through. And I'm just going to go one to DC, one to Nathan, just get through all this delish dozen. And the first name here, I will say he made a, a point to message me and make sure that we spoke about this guy. And it's Cam Guthrie because it is Louis's pick of the week. He's very keen on Cam Guthrie. Uh, 747K, a great point of difference, which is probably why Louis pointing this out. He's part of the pod pod. Uh, it's a pod pod pod. Now, he's averaging 108, 118 last round, 92 in his last three with a break even of 112. Is either of you guys keen to talk about Cam Guthrie? Because who wants to kick it off? Nath, you look a bit eager to... to Get on that mic. I love the Cam Guthrie pick. He's he's on my radar this week. I think that he's absolutely priced at such an amazing point that he's ripe to jump on at the moment. Obviously, had that injury-affected game against the Gold Coast, but he was on track for almost 150 in that game before the injury. And ever since he's come back, he's just been scoring for fun. No Mitch Duncan in the team, I've heard. Uh, and I don't think Mitch Duncan will be back this year. Uh, so I think that Cam Guthrie absolutely should average probably 110 plus from here and will be an excellent addition for an M7 or M8. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. And uh, he's got Geelong this week on the cards, uh, if all goes to plan. Um, Luke Parker's next at 735K. Had a big round on the weekend. He was one of my point of difference options a few weeks back. I think one of the questions that we've had uh, for Luke Parker this season anyway has just been that potential to go high and get a nice, you know, 110-plus score. And I think we we did get that ceiling game this week with 117. He's got a nice last three-round form of 104. But... DC, is the lack of a, a consistent ceiling, though, going to reduce your likelihood to go toward a Luke Parker type of pick? I don't hate him as a pick by any means, um, but I think if given the choice, I'd probably go up to a Cam Guthrie at, at 12K more expensive. Um, as you said, mm. I think he's probably pretty consistent. I don't think he's going to burn you. Um, but I actually think the time to get him in was probably maybe three or four weeks ago because I think he dipped below 700K. So that's probably when I would have jumped on rather than now. That sort of extra 40, 50K just makes him a little bit less attractive, I think. Yeah, the price the price point does sort of turn you off a bit if you could have got them cheaper. But if I, if memory serves, the, the run home for the Swans is still pretty juicy. He's got Frio, Essendon, Saints, North Melbourne and Gold Coast to finish. Um, another definite point of difference there. So, I mean, if, if, if you do, if uh, Lukey Parker does tickle your fancy, I think you could definitely do worse. But uh, agreed, you know, especially Cam Guthrie, only 12K more. I'd, I'd probably go for that considering his uh, massive ceiling that he's shown us this year. Next up, we got Hugh McCluggage at 689K, uh, 101 average for the season. Tailed off a bit at that sort of halfway point, was absolutely fire in the early goings of the season, but he's now at 95 in his last three, 107 on the weekend. Any temptation there, Nath? Pretty cheap. He's pretty cheap, and I think it's a relatively vanilla pick in the sense of if you couldn't afford, if you couldn't afford much and he was there and he was the highest player you could pick. Yeah, I think he's safe to pick, but I don't think he necessarily is going to dominate and potentially go 110, 120, which is what you're looking for with his potentially your last mid-spot going forward. Again, you talked about the run of Luke Barker. I think the run of Hugh McCluggage is even better. So definitely there, but he's the number three option in fantasy in his own team, potentially even number four if you count Zorko. So for that reason, I'm not massively keen on Hugh McCluggage, but he's definitely fine to pick.
Yeah, it's a good point. I think uh, some most of his uh, big scores as well were maybe when Lockie Neal kind of went down there. I, I think he did put up a few when they were in the same side, so kind of a mixed bag, but certainly not the uh, number one um, inside mid and still does play a little bit of outside ball. He's predominantly sort of that outside um, outlet player, but I still don't mind McCluggage. I've got a bit of love for him, uh, of course. Uh, Daniel Rich is the next player we're talking about, 673K. Been one of the underrated um, studs in the back line this year. Personally couldn't do it. 96 average, sort of only 85 in his last three, but just not sexy enough for me at the moment, even with the Brisbane's nice run home, DC. Yeah, I'm with you, Dossie. I, I just don't think he's priced at a, a, an attractive enough price, and uh, I don't think he's going to burn you if you don't have him. Uh, he's probably not going to burn you if you do get him as well, but he's just likely to keep putting up those sort of 80s to 110 type scores, but he's yeah. not really going to launch you up the rankings by pumping out a 130. Uh, the ceiling, sort of guy. yeah. The ceiling doesn't seem there, does it, really, uh, for Daniel Rich? He's always sort of that consistent player, but again, just not not sexy enough, I don't think, for us uh, here on the pod pod, uh, mixed in with the factory vibes here. Uh, Andrew Gaff, 658K. Uh, I wouldn't say sexy either, this pick, but certainly a man with a ceiling, uh, 114 last round. Um, he's got the the trademark pod pod observable thirst, certainly does gaff. He loves a plus six, screams for it when he's open. Uh, 90 form in his last three, but gaff is a guy that I consider to be a pretty solid pick here at this price. It seems like a massive bargain. Agree. He's, he's definite bargain at this point. But he's similar to a Nick Haynes in that when he hurts you and he pumps out a 50, you're going to go, well, I should have expected that. And everyone's going to tell you they expected it. But until then, enjoy the ride. And he's very, very cheap. I'd like to point out that uh, I mentioned last week to Nathan that I was thinking about bringing in Andrew Gaff. And he said, what are you talking about? Don't bring in Andrew Gaff. Like Anyone would have thought I was suggesting to bring in Paddy Dow or something. (laughs) And look what he did. He scored 114 or whatever it was. That's right. He did very well. Um, as a West Coast man, they're just trying to probably protect you um, from hurting your own team from having too many of the mighty coasters in there. But I was actually just about to say you can have your word on Gaff um, as a West Coast man, but you jumped in before I could, <laughs> Sorry, before I could do it anyway. So you're that desperate to talk about him. Um, I don't mind him. But that price is just ridiculous for what we know Gaff's done in the past. But DC, do you reckon the coasters can get up and about for this last um, you know, few weeks of the season and, and get back to his best that we know he can do in those, you know, 105 plus is usually what old Gaffey can do. I think he really depends a lot on how the team is going. Pretty much any outside, purely outside midfielder does. Um, If your team's getting belted on the inside of the midfield, you're not going to get a lot of cheap ball on the outside. So the Eagles have been really, really poor for about a month. Um, But if those those mids, particularly Shuey and um, Yo, can actually hit full fitness... Um, and some better form, then, yeah, you might see an uptick with Gaff as well. But I'd be pretty hesitant just because the Eagles are playing so poorly at the moment. Yeah, I think the only person that's going to stop Gaff from scoring is Mark McGowan. Uh, (laughs) If he he locks down WA and they take Gaff away from his beloved Optus Stadium, then he could potentially average a lot, 10 points less. So I just keep an eye on that. I think one thing that could benefit him, though, is if, if 
the crowd numbers do stay very low or even uh, dissipate altogether. Gaff's, Gaff does scream for that pill uh, very loud and he might be heard a little bit more because I reckon sometimes he gets ignored when the crowds are loud. So, Gaffy could get on the back of a couple more plus sixes. Speaking of a plus six merchant, let's talk about Isaac Smith, 650K. Uh, I reckon the person that tweeted here said um, he's very under the radar as a forward option. I'd have to agree. 91 average. Uh, he got the stock standard 91 last round. Probably a guy I do see as having a reasonable ceiling, but he just doesn't hit it super often. But a guy you could go as a point of difference. Um, do you see any interest in Isaac Smith? No, in a word. <laughs> um, Too outside. No. Yeah, similar, similar, I guess, to Gaff. Um, he doesn't have the scoring history in the same way. I think he's had a really good season. The other thing I don't particularly like about him as well is his age. So, uh, Selby, the GOAT, is um, one of his rules about players to pick and not to pick is you don't pick guys that are well over the age of 30 because they're unlikely to keep improving. So, in, uh, in this game, value is, is almost everything. And um, for me, he's, he's not really value at his price. Yeah, that's a fair point. A guy that I do see as value, but I do have admittedly some love for this man. Um, Geordie Dawson, 646K, just the 85 average for this season. But we did flag it um, last week on the Pod Pod. And I might have said in Pod Pod Plus as well, I think we had um, a member that was kind of keen on Dawson. I definitely gave him my approval there. Uh, 97 last round, 101 in his last three. Seemingly moving higher up the ground to a wing. And we know Dawson in the past. I reckon um, Fantasy Freako's definitely got a tweet in the archives um, of of Jordan Dawson when he plays on the wing. He averaged up to 98. I reckon it was in the 2019 season. It was probably only a five or six game sample, so admittedly relatively small. But when he's up the ground, he he gets used a lot and gets a lot of plus sixes. 97 last round, got the defender eligibility this year. Nath, is there any interest in JD? I think at 646, he's an absolutely really good option, particularly given the number of defenders that have gone down at the current moment in time. What was most impressive to me was he was able to pump out a 97 without kicking any goals. That was my concern from him the last couple of weeks was that he had to kick three goals and two goals respectively. But to be able to pump out an almost a ton price at that amount, I like it as a risky pod pick, but I think there's potentially cheaper options that you might want to consider instead. Yeah, it's certainly that point of difference. Bit of risk reward. We haven't seen, we've seen one 120 from him. So I'd say the ceiling probably, yeah, admittedly, probably not as much there as maybe some other options you can go in this price range. But as as an enjoyable pick, I do love to watch him. So I'm, I'm back in Jordy Dawson. And especially with that schedule, very nice schedule coming for the run home. So it's one to consider, especially Frio, Essendon. Essendon next week as well is for one that I'd ver- be very tempted to roll out Dawson against. Um, Stephen Cornelio's here. Um, lucky to just get the call up on the weekend from the NEFL, or the VFL these days uh, from Leon. Not his biggest fan uh, of old Cogs, but 620K. Seems cheap, right? But ugh, 67 average, 64 last round. Obviously, injury-affected average, but 64 last round um, in his return. He's, he's cheap, DC, but you're not going there at this point. Is This is the uh, the Matt Rowell expensive, except more expensive version? Yeah, pretty much. You nailed it, Doss. Um, yeah, I just – I think after that experience with Matt Rowell, I, I'm way off going guys that are coming off long-term injuries – especially guys like Cogs where he's actually fighting 
with a lot of other guys at GWS for solid midfield time. Um, so I expect we'll probably see him spending good time forward. Um, I think he's a pick for next year, especially if he manages to play enough forward time to get forward status. So I guess him, the, the argument for, next for the, year. the midfield time stuff would probably just be Kelly going out. Do they need to replace that? They're obviously going to have to find someone to go in there and Cogs is fairly logical replacement. I, I understand where uh, people might come from there, but with his break even, I know I know break evens don't necessarily matter and you can probably get gain the edge by going um, the larger break evens. My, I myself uh, brought in Dunkley last week, so I sort of went for the option of, of going a bit early on this sort of a player. But- yeah, Cogs Essendon this week. I just, I think you can just wait for him because, again, he's an injury prone player, and I'm, I'm with you there, DC. Now we won't talk to DC about this guy, but unfortunately, we have a definite biased opinion inbound about this player, Taran Thomas, 600k, 76 average, 126 last round, and 100 in his last three. DC would be loving him in his team. We'll talk to Natho who. Just uh, just beware, he's a North man. But what are your thoughts on him as a forward option for us at 600K? He's the second best player in the AFL behind Luke Davies Uniac. He's an absolute <laughs> weapon. I love I love Taron Thomas. 600K is a lot to pay for him, though, potentially as he's prone to pumping out sort of those 70s and 80s. This was really the first game where he's pumped out a solid four-quarter effort. And he normally sort of plays two or three quarters and then has a quiet one. So if he's able to turn it around, I love it as a pick. And I think that's very, very cheap. He's got the role. He's getting the CBAs. However, I would just caution that he doesn't necessarily have the same four-quarter effort that you'd see from a lot of other players. It's a fair enough call. And we won't even talk to the owner because we know he's going to be all about it. Uh, you, you wouldn't, in all honesty, though, if you were a non-owner at 600K, you wouldn't be about Tyron Thomas now, would you, So You've kind of, you would have, think you would have missed this uh, this ceiling game and this would be a bit of score chasing? Yeah, I think so. I think you probably missed the boat now. So, I think I brought him in for reference at about 500k, maybe a bit over 500k. So, yeah. there's much less risk there because he, it's a lot easier for him to outperform that price. But he's another one actually similar to Cogs. Put him in the back pocket for next year because I think he probably will keep forward status and the, the rate at which he's developed in the second half of the year, we could see something pretty special from him next year. I think literally my entire team uh, in 2022 is going to be basically that uh, that super draft um, ready for their fourth year kind of explosions. You know, it's just going to be in- incredibly packed full of those guys. You might just start the whole draft class. You might as well. Sam um, Walsh is going to aver- average 140 next year, I reckon. He's looking absolutely well, – he was actually stiff not to get mine. Nailed it. I, I went fair in his 109 over in Walsh's <laughs> 150, but – um, yeah, that was that was an outstanding display um, from Walshy. Rowan Marshall we'll talk about now, $584,000, 82 average, 122 last week, 97 in his last three. He's coming back into form. He's got a very low break even. Um, not that that matters at this time of year, but at 584K, you're not far off um, that dusty sort of sideways almost trade to go to a Rowan Marshall. Any interest there, DC? Um, partially, it, the thing that worries with me with Marshall is that he's still sharing the ruck time with Ryder. So he's going to obviously spend good stints in the ruck, but he's also playing as a key forward for large chunks of games. Um, and as we know in fantasy, key forwards are always a bit dicey. So yes, he's probably going to give you these sort of 120 scores every now and then, but I also think he's probably likely to give you a, the odd 50 and 60, which at this time of the year, you don't want to be dealing with that when everyone else has got full teams of premiums. So, 
um, another one, just keep him in the back pocket for next year or the year after when Ryder retires. Yeah, he's, he's increased that time on ground now to 77 was his um, previous game. He's only been in the 60s and very low um, 70s in his previous games before that. There is some there is some temptation to go there, but I, I tend to agree with you. Nath, it looked like you wanted to speak, though. You, you look like you were keen to jump in on the Romar. Have you got some interest there, mate? I, I'm pretty keen on him, to be honest. It's that time on ground for me that you mentioned, and it's been steadily going up. And... He was taking marks around the ground, which I know he always plays well against Port Adelaide for some reason, but he was taking marks around the ground and, and beating Lysa one-on-one, which I found was really, really interesting, and he was getting a lot of those contested marks. And that, for me, means I think he can probably push that 90, 80 to 90, which is, if, if that's all you can get to is a sideways from Dusty, if you've got two bullets, I really don't mind sidewaysing Dusty to Marshall. Yeah, he's not a terrible pick, I don't think, by any means. I still think he's probably underpriced. I just think if you do bring him in, you've got to be prepared that he'll probably drop a 60 at some point over the next month. Yeah. Uh, Shay Bolton at 584K. Same price, if I've got that correct, as the Romar. Um, only got a one-point average bump over Royal Marshall despite uh, Romar's injuries this season. But uh, he has shown a nice ceiling um, in the Tigers' midfield when he does get those minutes in there. And 76 in his last three, he's gone down and he is cheap. Dusty out of the side. Any interest, Nath? Yeah, with Dusty out, that's he's interesting to me, but... I'd probably wait one week on him. That's that's what I'm looking for with Shea Bolton at the moment is there's there's a lot of these players that we have in our forward lines now that aren't that pure midfield. They're the midfield forward split, unfortunately. And I don't know if I could add another one to my team that could potentially, if he plays forward all game, pump out a 40 or a 50. So I'm away one game. He's up against Geelong this week, so it's a pretty tough matchup. Um, but after that, he goes Freo, North, GWS and Hawthorne. So, if you can score all right against Geelong, I'm happy to jump on for the ride home. Yeah, and that, that Geelong matchup as well would be scaring me away from, from picking him up as well. That's definitely a good point. Um, DC, this is our final in the Delish Dozen, and it's another West Coast man. You'll be very happy about this. I haven't got to take this one on board. Tim Kelly, $583,000. There was a bit of a... Uh, a fake injury cloud, you might want to say, but he certainly was clutching at that knee at training. We saw some of the footage, so it wasn't necessarily a bad reporting there. It was just um, he obviously came up from that little niggle, um, managed to get 94, averaging 89 for the season, certainly down on what he can produce, 99 in his last three and a 59 break even. He's dirt cheap, and is he a nice little option if you do have that DPP ability? Um, for the Dusty, they're exactly the same price. First of all, I just want to check. You're asking me this question and not Warney this time? <laughs> yeah, on the spaces. <laughs> yeah. you, uh, you certainly got confused so, there. About, uh, about 100 people will get that joke and everyone else is going to be like, what the hell are <laughs> you talking about? Um, I basically stole a joke from- uh, stole a, a question from Warney unintentionally, but um, which is not what you want to do in the fantasy community. Um, Tim Kelly, though, yeah, I do still like him at that price. I think he's probably going to be that sort of 95 guy. Um, from now to the end of the season. I think Yo and Shui in the side actually help him. I think it frees him up a bit more. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's too much of a worry there other than maybe that slight possibility of the, the injury, but he seemed fine again on the weekend, so I don't have too many concerns. Yeah, although Shui did go down at the end of that game. I don't know if there's – is there any more news on, on regarding that? I think that it front? was uh, calf awareness. Okay. Whatever that so means. Probably, probably just icing him up, giving the sub a couple of minutes game time, and, and really he's probably all good. Hopefully that is the case with Shuey. Um, 
We had a couple of questions here just on extra people trying to get in a couple of extra players that missed out on the delish dozen, but um, they're both for options for 2022. And one was from your AFL Fantasy Factory mate, Urban. Now he's talking about out of contract Jacob Hopper for 2022. Can he take the next step at GWS or does he need to move clubs? Who wants to answer that? You're probably going to have a big chat about that on your next podcast that you're recording basically straight after this. Thanks, guys, for doing this too. It's going to be a marathon podcast session for you. But, Nath, what do you think on Hopper? Sounds good. Well, we'll make sure that DC and I change opinions for our podcast. So, <laughs> you just uh, confuse everyone. Fresh yeah. con- bits of fresh content. Um, no, uh, Jacob Hopper's such a tease. He pumps out these big 120s, 130s, and then can just turn around and not play any midfield or get no touches in a game. I love him in draft. I've got him in a, keep, a couple of keepers, but I just don't think he can go there in classic with the absolute up and down nature of himself. As Stato would say, he's like a yo-yo. He's a very inside player. So um, he's one of those guys that you would love to see him get a lot more marks in his game because he relies a lot on tackles and probably getting that 25-30 disposals because a lot of them are going to be handballs as well. So the guys can change though, as we saw this year with, with Ollie Wines, very similar player, I think. Um, and Hopper's probably a couple of years younger than him, I think. So if he can develop a bit more of that outside game and the spread from stoppage, he could be a, a fantasy gun in the next few years as well, but just doesn't quite look at that point yet. Yeah, and I think uh, I reckon I heard it on the preseason uh, Marrera's podcast. Maybe Xavier Ellis saying a similar thing. Maybe comparing him to that sort of Ollie Wines player that has the potential to break out in a couple of years. And it's it's probably a great point. You know, some of these players just take a little bit of time to develop that uncontested side of their game if they're such such a contested beast and so used to the contest. Actually, going and getting some cheap pill actually takes a little bit of time to learn those patterns and and get out and out of the contest. So yeah, potentially twenty twenty two, especially if um Kelly's out of the picture there, Urban. Now, next one's from David Potter. Uh, he wants to know about Schonberg, who's been showing some form, um, and he wants to talk about mostly next year. Usually, we're not allowed to talk about players that K's um, of the Keeper League pod is keen on because we just don't like giving him any props. But um, Schonberg, you got uh, any interest for next year there, Nath? I've actually... Even though I didn't think he was going to break out this year, I certainly saw um, some signs in his rookie year that... I can see where kind of those Clayton Oliver-ish comparisons came from. He had that little bit of puppy fat coming into the, his first year. Looked like he could maybe do a bit of damage around the ball if he sort of got that fitness behind him. Looks like the fitness base has improved and at this tail end of the year, getting a bit more midfield time. It does look promising for next year. Yeah, I think he's definitely someone to keep an eye on over the last five, six rounds of this year. Um, keeping in mind, he did play the Witches Hats in the Eagles last week. So, you know, if he comes up against a <laughs> good won. team, yeah, still Witches Hats. Uh, and I think that if you look, if you lose to North, you're Witches Hats for the rest of the year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if he can pump out some more good scores of 90 plus for the rest of the year, then I absolutely love him next for a, a pick next year. But if this may very well be a one and done, to be honest. He's averaged 65 so far this year. So, let's say he finishes the season, that average is going to be priced somewhere between 450 and 500K, I think, for next year, which will be kind of awkward, but you could very easily see him going 80 if he does um, take on a full-time midfield role as well. Can't be worse than Tom Phillips. True. <laughs> yeah, who who ironically, as soon as we all trade out, is starting to have his little bounce back, as always does seem to happen. All right, lads, we're going to get into some questions. 
we'll get into some questions from Twitter now, and you can find us at Pod Pod AFL. Again, you can find these guys at Nath. At Oba Mullet. And DC. At DC Caterpillars. Perfect. And of course, you can also catch these guys on AFL Fantasy Factory on all the different podcast platforms, as well as uh, the YouTube where you can see their beautiful mugs as well. So check them especially out. Especially handsome Nathan. Those. Yeah, especially handsome Nathan. You can check them out on all those platforms. So make sure you go give these guys a listen. They've done us a massive favor tonight coming on. Um, and also, yeah, sh- sh- I didn't really touch on it at the top of the show. So, Louis just had a little bit of a um, workplace kind of injury. So, that's why he's out. So, we do wish Louis all the best in his recovery. He- he's let me know he's all good. He is thinking about bringing in Cam Guthrie. So, he, he was actually going to put his hand up and do the pod tonight. I'm like, mate, just just have a rest. Just chill out um, and get better soon. So he can't get his workers comp if he's on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we get through these questions here. And the first one comes from Tyson. With the Mills and Kelly injuries going to Hearn and Zorko, or are there better options than Hearn like Lloyd or Salem? Nath, do you want to kick us off? I think I prefer Lloyd um, to both of those players. I think, as, as DC mentioned, it's the age for me that just Hearn could go down at any moment. And given the amount of bullets that we're having this season, you don't want to not, you don't want a pod bullet. The other That's- interesting thing with Hearn as well is that he's meant to be playing his 300th, I think, in two weeks, but it's looking like it's going to be the MCG. So I actually wonder whether he's half a chance to be rested so that he can get his 300th in WA. Just, just a thought. It's an interesting take. Uh, Christian, I have Mills, Martin, Kelly, and Dunkley. Should I quit now? Wait a minute. Is Dunkley done too? I did see the injury little thing Dun- on him. Dunkley's got COVID, is out for COVID regulation, so he's out no! next week. No. The Dossie curse lives. <laughs> oh, well, that gives me an extra bullet. Um, oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for letting me know that at the time. Now I've got another bullet to deal with. Did you hold um, him that whole time, Doss? No, no, no. I brought him in last week. <laughs> Oh, a top price, Dunkley. Never bring in players at the top prices. So what? I should have brought in Chrissy Bajess in the end. That, oh, my God. All right. Take God. the 40 and run. Uh, yeah, you should quit, Christian. That's uh, that's that. Ninja Spoon, Josh Kelly and Dusty. Is it better to go uber premium and a cheaper option or spread the cash over both trades? I reckon we've had this sort of situation for a few weeks, but interested in your perspective, DC. I think those two guys are probably worth enough that you should be able to get two pretty good ins there. You don't want to bring in a rookie and a, an uber, uber primo, primo for those guys. Um, I actually did the opposite last week, but I had Markov, who's about 100K cheaper, I think, than Dusty, which made it quite hard to get to anyone worthwhile. Um, but Dusty, I think he's still around 600K, isn't he? So you should be able to get someone okay with that sort of cash and then Kelly's a bit under 800, so... You should be able to get two decent players with that that money. I don't mind going in that situation to say a Guthrie and a Ron Marshall. I think those are two sort of good value players. I think that's what's most important is making sure the two players you pick are both value ones. Well, uh, this one from Dan, Kelly and Dusty, both forwards to Marshall. Um, is that a no-brainer? And is it too late for Dugowie? Or should we chase some cash with a unique, like the guy we talked about before, a Bolton or a Jack Graham with no Dusty and bank more cash? Hashtag to pod or not to pod, Nath? Oh, I think Dugowie is is almost a must-have. I brought him in this week and I'm very happy. He looks like he's almost a guaranteed top six forward. Most impressively, though, he's just getting marks around the ground. I think he's averaging eight or nine marks 
a, a game in the last five weeks. So with that guaranteed points coming from his team, and the team were looking for him as well. So he's in some impressive form going on. He's got a break-even of 49. He's still under 700K. We're losing forwards left, right, and center. Get on to Goey. Oh, he was the other option I was going to bring in instead of Dunkley last week and bank myself some cash. Literally, that moment in the podcast is like when when Ralph got told by Lisa on The Simpsons. The the moment you could see it. my heart break. You could just the, the <laughs> he got the pause moment. Oh man, it's shocking stuff. Um, okay, our next question from Fonk: Downgrade Houston to get cash and then play Sharp or Bramble via a loophole because Houston has been disgusting. Um, his other trade is Dusty to Oliver. Thoughts on that one, DC? Oh, that's a hard one because I, I, I agree. Houston's been well under expectations. It's um, Collingwood this but, week, isn't it, though? Yeah. I th- this has this has Liam Duggan written all over it, I think. Yeah. If you trade him out this week, he'll pump you that 120 or, or 148. Um so, no, I'd still be holding him. I don't think you want to break on a rookie for someone like that. I still think he could very easily average 90 over the next five games. Yeah. If you, can, if you have a group of friends and you all have Houston, ask one of them to trade him out. Because all it needs is one person to sacrifice themselves and trade out Houston, and then he'll pump out the 120 for the rest of you. <laughs> I'm, I might as well do it. I'm, I might as well take the bullet for the people because uh, my team's absolutely stuffed. Uh, Dale Travers, uh, Dusty and Kelly, if out, for A, Tim Kelly and Lockie Hunter, B, Rowan Marshall and Cam Guthrie, or C, a better option if he's missed it. Uh, we'll get both your opinions on this one. A, B, or C, Nath. Uh, I don't think Lockie Hunter necessarily is a top six forward going going forward. So, in that case, I'd go. I think it was Marshall and Guthrie. You, DC? Yeah, probably similar. I'm not as big a fan as of Marshall as Nath is, but um, Guthrie, I think, is the best pick there out of the lot. And Hunter might be a top six four, but I, I also think he's not going to hurt you if you don't have him. And a lot of the top sides do have him. So, if you're looking to make up ground, go with someone like Guthrie. My perspective is don't try trading players that their owners last week were trying to trade out. So, if Houston pumps out a 90 this week, people go, should I bring in Houston? If people are looking to trade out these players the week before, nothing's much changed. He didn't pump out a 200. He pumped out a 97, Hunter did. So, he's not a must-have by any means. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very, very good point. I think um, looking at those players, ch- score chasing, especially if it's matchup based like the Houston one, we probably are expecting a bounce back against Collingwood. If it doesn't happen, then uh, we know that's a foul pick, and we can probably ditch him next week, regardless. Um, Matthew Kelly to Dugowie, Dusty to Fiorini because of um, the Brandon Ellis injury, or do you like Gaff over Fiorini? That's a that's a tough one there, DC. What do you got? What do you got for us? I might actually be Fiorini, I think. Oh, yeah. I did Which forget is, about the Ellis injury. It hurts me to say. Because um, uh, Ellis, will, the Weller factor, he'll just probably, if he's right from his concussion, he'll just replace Ellis. But that doesn't remove Fiorini from the team. So, we might be safe here. Yeah, I, I just think he's he's got a more well-rounded fantasy game than Gaff. Gaff's been obviously a fantastic fantasy player, particularly over the last three years or so, but he, but he does rely a lot on getting a lot of cheap marks. So, whereas Fiorini tends to get the ball in a few different ways. Um, so, yeah, t- take the pun on Fiorini. Gaff wasn't the yeah. game winner a few weeks ago. Fiorini was. Get the one who's going to win you the game. 
I love that. There's a few people jumping on him this week um, and not just listeners of the pod pod. So, I'm, I'm loving the fair. Any questions? Hopefully, you guys get some on the factory. If not, I might have to tweet in and uh, get your opinion on that one. Uh, Troy Tobin, questions for Nath after Duncan 8. Hashtag Duncan 8. This was six weeks ago. He wants to know, how do you sleep at night after terrible trade decisions? Um, for example, plans all last week was Dusty to Lloyd through FOMO traded Hunter to fund Neil last minute. We'll be sitting pretty in the top 100, now hanging on by a thread and have caused unnecessary issues. So, how do you sleep at night after terrible trade decisions, Nath? Oh, that's rough. I think the way that you do it is just justify to yourself that it was the right trade at the current moment in time. So for me, obviously Mitch Duncan was just an awful piece of bad luck, but it was the right call to go a player at that price. If I'd just gone Ollie Wines instead, I'd be top 10. But I think you just got to justify to yourself that bringing in Lockie Neal is never the wrong move. And Lloyd was up against, was in, was playing at Mars. And up until some very, very late junk, he was also looking quite poor. So I think that that's the only thing you can do is try to justify to yourself that it wasn't your fault. It's, it's not you. It was them. <laughs> Fair enough. It's not you. It's me. Um, okay. That's the tip from Nath. Uh, we've got Mitchell Stevens. He just did a gift towards you. I don't know if that means anything to you. It's just Seth Rogen. Um, naked holding himself, looking at you and batting his eyes. So, I hope that means something to you guys. The host Mitch does of, uh, many things and many of them do not make sense. Okay. Well, I think you guys are going to give us some questions now from your feeds. Uh, who wants to start us off? DC, have you, did you get a couple of replies to your little retweet there that we can continue with some questions here? Uh, I will just bring it up if I'll, Nathan's I'll uh, quite ready to go. Because I'm prepared. I'm like, DC. <laughs> uh, Marshall or Kelly? So, Tim Kelly or Rob Marshall? Same price. Who's better to bring in? I'll throw that to you, Doss. Oh, I'll go. Um, I think I'd go with Tim Kelly there, um, just for the, just for those injury factors, and um, I guess like DC, like DC was saying, even though. Um, Roma can have that ceiling game. He he does have the the dual ruck setup, so I guess there is some risk there. Even though his his scoring has been there as a, as a ruck forward, I still rate just that that mid that pure midfielder and um, Tim Kelly for me. They've got still a pretty nice run on the way home, and if he's both of them have injury issues, but I'm probably settling for Tim Kelly because he even though he didn't score as much as Roma this week, I'd still probably back him into the end of the season, and they're both cheap dirt cheap but DC you uh, sorry I completely missed that question to be honest Tim I was Kelly trying, trying to fo- um, Tim Kelly for me yeah pretty comfortably yeah I've got Tim Kelly um, I brought him in a couple of weeks ago very very happy with him I think unless there's a midfielder that you've got your eye on that you won't be able to get because you completely midfielder with Tim Kelly so if there's a Oliver or a Guthrie that you desperately want the week afterwards and can't do it if you're getting Tim Kelly Jump on Tim Kelly now. DC, you ready? I'm ready. I have one question. Yes, let's get Uh, to it. (laughs) uh, From Cristiano, he said, one gets traded this week and one stays. Do you move on Haynes or a potentially injured Josh Kelly? Is Haynes that bad that you would move him on before an injured player, Nathan? I've contemplated it a couple of times, to be honest. Um, I'm hoping I can do some looping sort of Bianco scores well in the Friday night game. Then... I'll have to, I can put Haynes on the bench. 
But it depends on Josh Kelly. I think if Josh Kelly's out for one week, you can definitely trade Haynes instead and play a rookie. But if Josh Kelly's out for more than that, I think you need to trade Kelly. Look, um, I didn't see the injury myself, but I had a few um, messages from the guys in the Pod Pod uh, messenger chat, and they they were Tom Browning me saying it's a Cindy. So they reckon it's a, they they already called the Cindus Moses. It sounds like uh, it's not as serious as that. So I was I was devastated um, upon hearing the injury. So you're saying there's potential that I actually don't have as many bullets if Kelly does get up. Gee, that's that's promising signs. It could be um, Kelly and Darcy both getting up again imagine that yeah unbelievable if darcy gets through that's 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 actually insane Isn't it? if darcy um, gets through for me for the second time I'll, I'll i'll start with him next year just can't i can't deny that absolute loyalty that he has to my team so josh dunkley's now out for 14 days this is uh as i'm also right. out for 14 days it's not much fun so hopefully dunkley uh, has something to do you need to start releasing these recordings on YouTube as well, Doss, so people can see the absolute pain in your face right now <laughs> talking about Josh Dunkley. <laughs> one week in, one week out. That's the worst type of trade. Um, that, that is rough. Know. Very rough. B- bit of fun. At least I got lots of money to work with, though, at least. All right, lads. Well, um, got one more. I might just I quickly- got one more. Okay. Uh, who goes first out of coming Houston or DC's favorite Newman? Is it uh, coming? Yeah, coming or Houston for me. I think it's I'd, I'd see. I, I think I'll just keep Houston for that one more week. I'm just. I'm worried about trading him against Collingwood. I still. I. I genuinely think he'll. If he's ever going to bounce back, it's got to be this week. I'd probably tend to go coming. Um, and Newman with Carlton still have a pretty nice schedule coming up. So that's where I'm leaning as the as the host answering uh, answering my celebrity one question uh, for the pod as I usually do try to throw most to, uh, to Louis. Um, there's a few downgrade options this week. I won't even play the theme for show me the money this week, but Connor West, is he just the main one at 202K? He looked amazing for our mighty Weagles. We'll hand it to the non-biased man in Nath um, to give us the Connor West review. Yeah, look, it was great. He's pumped out of 76. Nothing more you could want from a rookie. And particularly when we're looking for great bench cover, it's worth paying up the extra 32K to get him. So I like Connor West. Yeah. In a week where a lot of people are probably doing, um, you know, double premium kind of trades, it's probably, there's probably not a heap of uh, use. But people that are in that luxury position and, and manage to avoid bullets, is there any um, point going to these three guys that are kind of maybe pricing themselves out of where you usually want to pay for a rookie? But Ned Reeves looked pretty good against Gorn. I'll go to you, DC. Just a yeah, no. Would you go there at 290K for Reevesy if you, if you just have that luxury to not have to trade a couple of premiums to a couple of premiums? Yeah, probably not Reeves for me. I think I'd, there's a few of the other rookies um, that I've been chasing and 290K is getting up there as well. And what about, is it too late, uh, Nath, for a Lockie Bramble or a Jeremy Sharp now in the mid to high 300s, but both with negative break-evens? I mean, Sharp after 120 against the Dogs too. Could you go there still? Oh, you'd be, I think you could if you've got like five rookies on field and you're just absolutely getting 40s on field and you can't afford anyone else, don't mind Sharp. But I think for the majority of people listening, Bramble and Sharp have priced themselves out now. Unfortunately, you missed them. But good news is there's only five rounds left and most people won't be able to use the cash that they generate anyway. 
All right. I won't hold you guys any longer. I know you've got another marathon uh, marathon podcast to get through here with your AFL Fantasy Factory uh, friends over there. And you are, as you said before the show, pre-show, you are half the pod. So, you better you better go and get that done over there, lads. Um, but thanks very much for coming on. Uh, DC, Caterpillars on the Twits and uh, Obermullet on uh, the Twitter for Nathan Obermuller. Uh, what's, what's the story there, mate? You just want the Bailey Smith mullet? on your uh, profile? Just someone compared me to a fish and they called me an over mullet and I thought, well, I'll own it and I'll just go with that. (laughs) I love it. All right, on that note, yeah, thanks guys. Thanks, appreciate it very much and uh, we'll see you next week. Pod, pod, fam. Thanks, Dustin. Here's Dustin.